what are we trying to achieve with mental health in the workplace? Is there any such thing as the new normal? What's really happening with mental health? And how do I support my team? These are just some of the questions that you might be curious about. And in this coaching cafe, we've got the answers for you. Join us for this coaching cafe where we explore questions around mental health in the workplace with our mental health expert, me, Nick McEwen-Hall. Well, welcome everybody. It's Nick McEwen Hall here from Open Door Coaching. It's so great to have you here on today's Coaching Cafe webinar. And uh, I'm very happy to be presenting uh, a webinar for Coaching Cafe this week uh, while Natalie's off delivering our certificate for in workplace and business coaching program um, interstate. So, really great uh, to have you all here. Thanks for uh, joining us today. And today's session is all about mental health in the workplace. It's a bit of a Q&A session. So I really hope that uh, you've got some questions for me. Uh, I've got some that have been submitted before the session, so I'll cover them off, but also really keen to hear from you all about your uh, questions and your thinkings around mental health in the workplace. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we're all meeting today. And, uh, and their continuing connection to the land, waters and the communities of Australia. We'd like to pay our respects to them and to their elders past, present and emerging. And the other acknowledgement that I always do when I'm talking about mental health stuff or content around mental health is just to acknowledge the impact of mental health and mental illness on us from a lived experience perspective. So today in our coaching cafe, really, we want to have a discussion about mental health in the workplace. And I would really love this to be a discussion, you know, really interactive because this content, uh, I always find, you know, from delivering uh, mental health first aid training, you know, I find that when we share our ideas, when we share our thoughts, when we share our perspectives about mental health, it really helps us all to learn more about it. You know, we all have different views. We all have different experiences. People have got different opinions. People have got different learning. So, you know, I do want this to be a discussion. I'd love to have some questions and some thoughts from you all as we go through because it just brings the learning to life a little bit, I think. It, it really kind of helps it pop. So, absolutely happy to, to receive those questions. And if you're joining us for the live webinar today, um, feel free to drop them into the chat box. And if you're listening to the podcast, I'll make sure that we uh, cover them off as well. It's Q&A style. So I've got a couple of questions here that have been submitted or thoughts or wonderings, I guess, about the topic that uh, have been submitted before today. So I'll uh, go through some of those. But as I said, it would really be great to have your questions as well and your thoughts and your, your feedback about these topics too. And, uh, you know, I, I have a really great depth of experience in this sort of stuff as well. So from delivering mental health first aid training, from consulting work that we do in this space uh, and qualifications and the like. So please feel free, pick my brain, um, you know, let me know how I can help you. Our coaching cafes, as usual, are always about creating community and a shared learning experience. And I think this session today is a really good opportunity for us to do that. Um, so feel free to provoke thought and to pose questions here to myself and to the group. You know, it's really about coming together every Friday and learning from one another. If you have an ICF credential, hang around at the end of the session and I'll make sure that I show you how we get your um, CCEs registered for this session. So, 
Let's start off. What questions do you have for me? I, as I said before, I have uh, a couple of questions that have been submitted before the session, but I'm really keen to hear your questions. What questions have you got about mental health in the workplace? And it's deliberately broad. You know, this topic is deliberately broad because it is a broad topic. So very happy and very keen to see your questions or your thoughts or your, your reflections on what mental health in the workplace is like or has how it's changed over the last couple of years or how aware, our awareness has changed over the last little while. Because I think all of those things have happened. You know, if we think about the last couple of years with COVID and all that sort of stuff, I think, you know, it really has fundamentally changed how we think about mental health and particularly so in our workplaces. And that stuff is not over. You know, that sort of impact from COVID is, is far from over whether it's about people moving back into workplaces from working remotely, you know, whatever it might be, I think, you know, that's still a thing. So please let me know your questions. One of the, the key things that we got in the pre-session um, submissions were, was, you know, what are we trying to achieve with mental health in the workplace? And I would love your ideas here. You know, what are we trying to achieve with mental health in the workplace? And my kind of key thoughts around this are quite straightforward. What I would like to see happen in workplaces is that mental health is treated in nearly the same way as we treat physical health and safety. And I say nearly because they are different. You know, there is difference here between, you know, physical health and mental health. There are differences in how we do it. But overall, what I would like to see happen in our workplaces is that mental health is treated and protected as much as uh, our physical health is. Now, if you're in a leadership role or you're in a team leader role or you're in an org development role or a safety role, whatever it might be, then we already know that, you know, under the OHS legislation, we are obligated to look after our teams um, and our kind of colleagues' mental health as well as our physical health. This is, it's a health, occupational health and safety kind of um, environment. So, you know, we have this obligation, but still in a lot of organisations, we're not as resourced up as we could be in terms of supporting mental health as well as we do with physical health. So that's what I would like to see happen. I'd like to see workplaces be as fluent and as agile and as responsive with mental health um, as we are with physical health. That's kind of it. And everything that goes along with that as well, you know, how we respond, the supports we put in place, how we deal with it, how we, you know, protect the risk, you know, how do we protect our teams from the risk factors that exist around developing mental health issues and mental illnesses? How do we do that? You know, I did a webinar, um, might have been last year now, but it was with a large organisation. And I, I made the comparison between, you know, if you got a new piece of equipment in your office, let's say you bought a you know, big industrial size guillotine, like a paper guillotine, when that, before that piece of equipment ever gets touched by a staff member, there would be processes in place. There'd be training. There'd be probably signs up. You might have to have done some training to actually use that piece of equipment, you know, that kind of thing. There might be even, um, yeah, like safety guards around or, you know, there'd be a whole kind of safety protocol around that machine. And if somebody actually hurt themselves whilst using that machine, then there'd also be, rightfully, 
a big, strong kind of response around that. So, of course, immediately safety needs and care and all that sort of thing from a first aid perspective would be there. But we'd probably also go back and review, you know, our policies, our procedures, our training, you know, all of those sorts of things. And when we think about mental health, I like to think about, you know, the risk factors for mental health issues or mental illnesses are like the photocopier. They're Sorry, like the guillotine. Um, like the guillotine I was talking about, it's already in your workplace. This issue is already there because the people are already there. So we need to think about mental health the same way as we think about physical health, you know, um, really, really important. You know, we need to think about this the same way. And this has great benefits to us in our workplaces, higher productivity, more satisfaction, more engagement, less attrition, less downtime, less sick leave, all of these sorts of things. So there's lots of evidence around around about that payoff. But I think we've got a little bit of, way, of a way to go. How do we get this? I think it's around training. It's around learning. It's around openness to discussion and story is a big way that we can we can go. So that's that's what I would like to see. That's what I am trying to achieve, I suppose, when I'm working with people in terms of this question about what are we trying to achieve with mental health in the workplace. So I've got a question here. Um, the question here is how ADHD adult can cope with bullying people or day-to-day -day work pressures at the workplace? So it's a great question. I'm going to steer away from talking about specifics here because I'm not a professional in terms of um, being able to kind of diagnose or treat ADHD. But what I would say about this comment here is that from a risk perspective, and again, the question here is how can an ADHD adult cope with bullying people or day-to-day -day work pressures at, at the workplace? The way I think about this is we've got a person, we've got a human here experiencing some risk factors for poor mental health. That's happening in a workplace setting. So we actually need to take a proactive safety response approach to this situation to support that person, whether or not... Um, there's a diagnosis there, you know, that, that is actually what we need to do. That's the, that's the core issue. So we need to proactively support this person. And then for that person themselves, I would say, let's, um, let's make sure that they're connected up with, you know, EAP services or, you know, counselling, psychology kind of services, some sort of support to help them work through the personal impact of that. So there's two sides here. It's like, what's the organisational culture and structure doing? to support that person, but also what support can we actually give that individual to receive? That's my thinking with that one. Yeah, hope that's useful. It's uh, tricky to, you know, um, what I'm trying to say, it's, it's tricky to look at really specific examples without context and, and that kind of thing. But that's my thinking about it. You know, I think about, well, okay, what's actually going on here? It's a safety issue. It's a risk factor for, for developing a health issue, so we need to respond in the same ways. Second question we got before the, um, before the session, and I do see some other questions in the chat box, which I'll cover off in a moment, but the second question we got here is what's really happening with mental health? And the theme here is that people are noticing that it's very different, you know, that, that there's a kind of a difference around how we talk about mental health in the workplace. And I find this really interesting because I think the focus tends to be that mental health is changing and 
I guess I would like to draw, draw the distinction that mental illness and mental health problems aren't changing. They're the same, um, just like broken legs have always been what broken legs are like. You know, it's the same sort of thing if you went back 100 years and someone has got a broken leg and someone has a broken leg today, the broken leg is the same. So same thing with, with mental health. The, the mental health issue or the mental illness is not necessarily changing, but I think what's happening is around us, the world's changing a bit. So we have two things happening, two key things. One is we've got a lowering of stigma, a lowering of judgment around mental health, which is absolutely what we should be having happen, which is excellent. It's, it's really, really great. So we've got this lowering of that. Um, and so we're seeing an increase in support seeking. We're seeing an increase in support provision, proactively amazing. It's really, really great. And then I think the second thing that's happening, particularly over the last couple of years, is when we think about you know mental illness being a um, an outcome of being exposed to risk factors, then we have had a lot of risk factors present in our worlds and in our workplaces and in our society in our lives over the last couple of years. So I think you know people are more uh, exposed to the risk factors of developing mental health problems and mental illness. So we are seeing perhaps more because of that, but also because we're more aware that this exists. And, you know, it's great that both of those things are happening. What I'd prefer to have is that, you know, risk factors are reduced and there's not as many people exposed to risk factors. But the other side of that equation about being open and proactive and non-judgmental, I want that to stay the same. And if we can keep that, that side of the equation rising, going up, and we can keep risk factors going down, then that kind of gives us a good overall outcome. So I think this is one of the things that's happening with mental health. And it is an absolute opportunity for us in our workplaces to start doing things that actually help to reduce the stigma, increase the support, and therefore make people's lives better, you know, both at work and personally. So I think there's a few things happening with mental health, but but yeah, that that dynamic of increased um, risk factor exposure and an increase in awareness. Uh, I think that's one of the key changes that I've observed over the last little while. Got a question here in the chat box. What are ways to build a sense of connection if we have staff working remotely, as well as support options for staff besides the EAP? We're a small organisation, but starting to grow and staff are spread across the globe, UK, Japan, US, Australia, China, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Great question. So one of my, and it's great to see that you've got the EAP in place, you know, you've got support there. You've asked what supports can we have besides the EAP. So I'm assuming you have an EAP program in place. And if you do, that's really excellent. It's a great, great thing. Making sure that's available to everyone equally across your company, I think is going to be important, particularly where you're across different countries and geographies. Um, my gut feeling here says, okay, for someone to feel connected, we need to understand how they experience and feel connection. So I think it's important to go back to your teams and ask them, you know, how do you experience good quality, strong connection? What do you need from us to have a sense of connection because we can sit in our kind of planning world and kind of come up with all sorts of ideas and great programs and all of this sort of thing. But if they don't actually cater to what that person 
needs and prefers and how they experience the thing that they're trying to provide, then potentially we never provide it, you know, or we're providing something, but it's not quite what that person needs or, or wants to feel that sense of, of connection. So we all have this different definition of connection. And I think when you do that, you can build into that thinking the method and the mode. So if it's remote, you know, you might have Zoom stuff or Teams chats or Slack channels or whatever it might be. You can build into it the mode of how you're going to do that connection piece. But I think we have to start from how do people experience connection in our workplaces? What is it that they're looking for? And if we really want to create that sense of connection, then we will cater to their need as best we can. You know, when we shouldn't hold ourselves to perfection as the standard, but, you know, that's my thinking around that. And in particularly important when you're looking at, you know, a, a globally diverse workforce where cultures and, and all sorts of things will be different in different territories, you know, really important. That's what that's what comes to my mind when I think about about this idea of connection and support is how do my team experience that? You know, some people will be happy with a with an occasional quick email. Hey, how are you going? You know, just checking in, make sure you're all okay. Other people will want you know a regular structured one to one every fortnight or something like that, where it's structured and feedback's given and stats are reviewed and all of that kind of stuff. And other people will want something else. So I think it's really important to go back to your teams and ask them this question, you know, ask them, how can we actually build this sense of connection? Empower them, you know, to tell you how connection works and then kind of get out of their way, you know, <laughs> get out of their way and let them build that or help them to build that. It's kind of a classic coaching approach in a way, isn't it? To sort of say, well, what do you need? You know, how do you experience this? That's my thinking. I hope that's useful for you. And it feeds into this other kind of third question is how do I support my team? And in this, um, in this context before the session, the question around how do I support my team was really quite focused in on, you know, how do I support my team when I think that they might be experiencing mental health problems or having stress or mental illness at play, these kinds of things. And, of course, um, some of you here have done mental health first aid with me and you'll know the answer to this and there's a whole model about how to actually do this support piece um, but again I think it goes back down to what support do they need what support will they find useful and the best way to find that out is to ask them is to open a conversation with that person that you're worried about that you're thinking about or that you want to support differently or that you want to offer some, offer some supports with we can't go too wrong when we're asking people about what support they need for their mental health if we do it respectfully and with rapport and with, um, you know, a sense of importance and a sense of place, you know, really respectfully, uh, this is how we do it. Like any other conversation, you know, if you had someone in your workplace that needed some support for a physical health issue, how would you have that conversation? And, you know, it's usually the same in mental health land. You know, how would I have that conversation if this is a bit sensitive or a bit touchy? I'm not sure. If you think about an equivalent physical health condition, it usually puts you in a pretty good starting point for, you know, how to actually start this conversation about supporting that person with a mental health um, concern. 
got a question here. Um, oh, hey, hey, Figgy, how you going? Um, it says, hi, Nick, close link to mental health is the wellbeing piece, which supports good mental health and connection. While one-off social and sport activities fills the bill to a degree, I'm interested in what people are doing in this area from a more coherent and measurable perspective. Great question. And it really opening it up here to everybody on the line. So if you can't see the chat, the question again, closely linked to mental health is the wellbeing piece, which supports good mental health and connection. While one-off social and sport activities fills the bill to a degree, I'm interested in what people are doing in this area from a more coherent and measurable perspective. Yeah. So, you know, there are great um, well-being models around that look at, you know, from a scientific evidence basis, you know, how do we measure and, and create and sustain well-being? One is the PERMA model, P-E-R-M-A, really practical framework for how we go about ensuring that people have, you know, the right kind of combinations of things to experience good well-being, you know. And when we think about well-being, we're looking there as a protective factor. If we can create good well-being, having good well-being is a protective factor against developing mental illness, right? So we have protective factors and we have risk factors. So going after well-being on a more general kind of basis is a good protective factor against mental ill health and mental illness. So that's number one. Again, I think here we can ask, you know, we can say to people, what do you find enjoyable? When um, we were in lockdown here in Melbourne uh, last year, or it might have been the year before, um, we have quite a small team and we were all kind of working remotely and all that sort of stuff. And we, every now and then, we would have a, a kind of a Zoom team catch up and Natalie would organise to have, you know, treats delivered to us, you know. So I got a box of donuts one day and, you know, got a box of pastries a, a different day. This sort of thing really just gave us a little um, a little boost, you know, something unique, something novel, which was really, really useful in the monotony of a lockdown. You know, was that sort of thing? Um, yeah, it was really great. It was it was really really good. But stuff like that, you know, can be really great. Um, but I think going back to the evidence, going back to evidence based models like PERMA. Um, there's also a website, Five Ways to Wellbeing, which is also really good, different sort of model, but same sort of thing. So going back to the data, going back to what we know works and starting from there and then engaging with your team. Uh, Andrew follows on and says, I'm looking at using the Resilience Project team with a focus on gratitude, empathy and mindfulness, but I'm interested in other people's initiatives. Yeah, it's a great place to start. You know, it's a great place to start. Wellbeing is multifaceted and so our approaches to this stuff also has to be multifaceted you know it has to be and i like that you're exploring these things i think there's a lot to be said around gratitude practice empathy which is very strongly kind of shown in our mental health first aid training as well and mindfulness very well understood you know had the impacts of mindfulness really really great there's a um i don't know if you know the english comedian ruby wax very uh, well known. She lives. Well, she lives in in England now, but she's American, um, and she is actually uh, a very, very highly qualified um, mindfulness practitioner. And she's got some great books that have that sort of classic um, ruby wax way about them, but incredibly uh, practical and really, really easy and user friendly. So, yeah, leaning into resources, leaning into tools that already exist is a really great way to go. So there's lots of things that we can do in these spaces around mental health. And I'm curious, 
to hear from everybody, you know, what, do you, what are you doing in your teams? What are you doing for yourself at the moment that is supporting good mental health in your workplaces? You know, what is it that you're doing? Is it flexible working arrangements? Is it staggered start times? Is it, you know, team building activities? What Like, what is it? You know, is it annual leave allowances? Is it, you know, mental health days? What are you, what are you doing in your teams that, that can support good, positive mental health at the moment? I think another theme that's sort of coming through in the work that we're doing here is that you know, there's this idea of, oh, we're back to normal. We're back to the normal. Anybody else have a bit of a reaction when they hear the word normal? Um, I always sort of think, you know, what's that? What, what is normal? And, of course, what we think about as normal, <laughs> our own normal, is exactly that. It's our own normal. There is no, you know, universal global normal. So, you know, going back to the norm, I find really fascinating as an idea, but I think, you know, things have changed over the last couple of years and there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of that which is very positive and that we can learn from. Uh, whilst the last couple of years might have been tumultuous and difficult, there's a lot of learning that we can do from those experiences that we can now pull out and flip into being really proactive, positive mental health supports for our teams. So... That's from our, from the content perspective. You know that they're the questions I had from the the alumni before the session. We've got a couple of minutes left. I'm very happy to hear from everybody else in the chat box as well. Um, you might have seen on our email trails and on our website around our leader as coach training program. Um, leader as coach is a great uh, skill set, really short um, program that you can do. And it's really actually great from a mental health and well-being perspective because it allows your leaders, it allows your team leaders and your managers and your, and your team to actually take a coaching-based approach to, to overcoming challenges. And this is you know, a strengths-based kind of approach to things as well, which is great for good, positive mental health. You'll also will have seen on our website mental health first aid training. We've done so much mental health first aid training over the last couple of years, as you would expect us to have done, because it's been such a uh, such a big focus over the last couple of years. And uh, we also have refresher training coming up as well. So, you know, we've been delivering mental health first aid for a good um, three years now or so. We're coming up to that. And actually, some of the names I can see on the webinar today will be due for a refresher training. So if you've got your mental health first aid training certificate uh, and it's coming up for expiry, please get in touch with us. We have the refresher training. We're going to be doing it online. And uh, if you're in Melbourne, we're also going to try and do a face-to-face -face one as well. So look out for that. Um, so that's our content for today. Thank you so much for being here. Stick around for in, a, in a moment and I'll give you the, the continuing coach education certificate. Stay on the line for that. Otherwise, for everybody on the podcast, thanks for listening in. Take care and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Coaching Cafe podcast. You can watch the full video from this episode on our website. I'll put a link in the show notes. We'll see you at the next Coaching Cafe. Bye for now.